Hi everyone, I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to the Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community. And more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. I had the pleasure of meeting Louisa Kalfeld during my most recent trip to Berlin. Louisa is an industrial designer and co-founder of Sumo, the Berlin-based creative lab behind the award-winning Sumo Baby reusable cloth diaper. What really gets, I don't know, my fire going is when I work on something that hasn't really been explored so much before. Everyone knows that we have to find a better alternative to disposable diapers. They create a huge amount mm -hmm. of waste. It's, it's like uh, 5,000 diapers per child in three years. So I think in Germany alone, it's like 10 million disposable diapers ending on in landfills each day. This soon-to-be-launched next-generation diaper uses pioneering skin-caring materials that are gentle on babies and the environment. Usually as an industrial designer, you think of a project and then you kind of maybe go looking for the ingredients of this project, right? right? Whether it's, But I started the other way around. I had then all of a sudden from um, this institute, like five meters of this fabric, really beautiful, very, very soft, incredibly absorbing. Um, and because of the algae, it's very skin-caring and uh, antibacterial. So then I um, did a big research of what to do with this fabric. What can you do? And I came across cloth diapers. Louisa and her co-founder, Casper Burma, launched Sumo in 2019 because they wanted to design status quo challenging products that make daily rituals more beautiful. I had so many parents, so many mothers, but also people who actually don't have children come to me and be like, oh my God, you created this really funky, beautiful product. Yeah. I always say this, I ran out of excuses not to do it. Prior to Sumo, Louisa worked for Barber Oscarby in London and Konstantin Grichich Design in Berlin. She's also the recipient of the 2018 Foundation USM Design Grant and the 2019 Swiss James Dyson Award. In 2021, her work was awarded the German Sustainability Award and the Red Dot Design Award. Welcome, Louisa. Thank you for being here. Woo! <laughs> Woo! So you are an industrial and product designer, which is so interesting. And we're going to get into how all of that came to be. But the interesting thing that I think is that in grade school, when we're kids, we're mm. not really taught about design. So how did mm. you, as a child, come to naturally be interested in this topic? Um, so my parents are architects. And it's really funny. Um, most of my friends who are also product designers, their friends, their parents are all architects. It's wow. really funny. So it's like almost like a running joke when you meet product designers. You're like, what do your parents do? And they're like, oh, he's an, my dad is an architect. And you're like, yeah. So, okay, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess in, in right. my case, it was because my parents are architects and I just right. sort of um, um, was, yeah, from a very young age on, we visited museums and I got to go to like the building site with my mom of like a new project. So wow. it was something very natural. I never 
Actually, I think at one point it was more a decision whether I want to also become an architect or do something different that is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When did you know that this was your unique gift? You're, you know, you saw mm. your parents doing this. Of course, you looked up to them. You admired their work. But when did you really feel mm. that this was where I belong? I think at university. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I actually I studied in London, not not in Germany, in London, and I did a foundation year at the LCC and uh, London College of Communication, and um, and there it was like a foundation year where you do all sorts of creative things. Like it had no focus on industrial design. It was more printmaking, photography. So it was a beautiful like year of uh, finding my creative voice. Mm-hmm. And there I was very drawn to creating products that people use every day. Yes. But the functionality. Yeah. It's like yeah. art meets function. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it was really when I was I was 18. Yeah. Wow. And how do you think it influenced your higher education desires? So when you were deciding what you wanted to do and before you took the leap into mm. higher education, do you remember the moment that you said, I'm just uh-huh. going to take the leap here and do this? Mm. Not, not really. I mean, so I school in Germany is very broad. We mm-hmm. don't really. I think I have some like friends from the UK or the US where you decide pretty early on of on a certain pathway, right? You go, mm-hmm. I don't know. You choose more like creative courses. Or in Germany, I had like um, fifteen court like uh, subjects. There was Latin, physics. Um, um, geography so you don't you take them all and then you do your abitur you know you take them all to your final year so there is no really you don't have to think about it so early right. I guess but I did love art class I think right. it's, it's really like a cliche but I loved um, working with colors and also then you know when you when you go to like sixth form I guess it becomes a little bit more expressive and you don't have to only do self-portraits you can actually be like play with colors, do photography, all of these things. Mm-hmm. I think there I then realized, but again, because my parents are architects, I just, it was something that just came very natural to me. I saw, yeah, yeah, I'd love to know more about what type of architecture that your parents worked on. Yeah, I, I can show you some buildings in Berlin here. Oh, I would yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, they have Berlin, they Thank work you. here. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes, yeah. No way. So yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, no, it's totally very much. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm always very proud when I, I don't know. I'm on a bike cycling on the, the street and I see um, something that my parents did. Wow. It's a nice feeling for sure. Yeah, you've worked for some prestigious firms prior to launching Sumo with your co-founder Casper. Yeah. What made you decide to leave the relatively safe world for the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, that's a very funny question. Um, I think, yeah, so I think I was very lucky. I worked in London for an, like a really fantastic design studio. I learned so much. Um, it was The focus was very much on furniture, lighting design, so really traditional product design. And then um, I went to university and did my master's. And I, there already I realized that I still love that very traditional part of design. But um, what really gets, I don't know, my fire going is when I can, when I work on something that maybe hasn't really been explored so much before. And, um, and then also working here in Berlin for, for Konstantin, um, there, it was interesting because with him, I worked on a lot of projects that weren't again, so furniture or traditional, um, projects. Um, and I think it was just really, and then Corona happened and I was working a little bit less. I had more time for myself 
And I um, realized that this is really, I think in a way, maybe I always knew that I'm, I wanted to work for myself one day. Mm -hmm. I want to um, found my own business. Um, and that it is, it happened little by little. It wasn't like one big decision. It just, it happened, you know, I, I came back from university. I was working on sumo on the side while doing my, my job. Um, and so, yeah, it, um, it was very natural. For someone who's gone through such a natural trajectory, parents were architects, what advice would you have for someone who might be hemming and hawing about mm. starting their passion project or launching their own business? Mm. I think looking back now, I was um, afraid of many of these steps of be opening your own business, like, you know, like more like administrative <laughs> things. Um, looking back, they're actually the easiest thing almost. No, you, it's when you do something for the first time, then it's always really scary. Mm -hmm. But then I think this is why when you look at like serial entrepreneurs, people who like, I don't know, found their startup and then another one, another one. And I always looked at them. I was like, wow. But now I kind of understand because once you go through the whole process, you understand it, you can manage it better. So I don't know if this is really an advice, but I think if you have a really good idea and people come to you and speak to you about it, this is how I felt with Sumo a bit. I, I always say this, although it sounds a bit cheesy, but I ran out of excuses not to do it. It, it is difficult to um, yeah, find the strength sometimes, mm -hmm. but of course it helps if, if, if it is something that really enriches people's lives and so I think this is what made um, starting Sumo in a way so easy was because I had so many parents, so many mothers, but also people who actually don't have children come to me and be like, oh my God, you created this really funky, beautiful product. Yeah. And I think this really, yeah, this was great motivation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't have children yeah. and I'm, I'm, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk mm. about Sumo. So for everyone listening, can you tell us? what Sumo is. And I, and from my understanding, it's not just yes. the sustainable diapers. You have a whole line. Exactly. exactly. So the project started that I created a, a fabric. Um, I developed it with an institute here in Germany um, that is based on an algae fiber. So it's, it's, a, it's a fiber that is made from wood and algae. Wow. And it's, it's really, really available. You can, you can find it blended in compositions with cotton or other um, fibers. I didn't invent this fiber. It's made from, um, by a German company also. But I kind of created the first 100% um, pure fabric from it. Mm -hmm. This was still at university. And um, it was an interesting start of a project for me because usually as an industrial designer, you think of a project and then you kind of maybe go looking for the ingredients of this project, right? right? Whether it's metal or wood or mm -hmm. textile. But I started the other way around. I had then all of a sudden from um, this institute like five meters of this fabric, really beautiful. And it's um, very, very soft, incredibly absorbing. Um, and because of the algae, it's very skin caring and uh, antibacterial. So then I um, did a big research of what to do with this fabric. What can you do? And I came across cloth diapers. And I mean, this was four years ago. I'm not a mother yet either. And back then I didn't even, you know, I think I had diapered a child once in my life. <laughs> so it was very naive. But I mm -hmm. think sometimes as a designer, naivety is a very good ingredient because mm -hmm. you you think, hey, oh my God, I'm Googling this and there's no beautiful thing out there. How come there must be so many parents who, okay, of course you already maybe want to be interested in cloth diapering rather than diapering with disposables. 
But then once you are interested in this in this in this, in this um, yeah alternative way of caring for your baby, how come there's only then cotton or polyester mm -hmm. diapers? There's really and even like regardless of the material, also from a design perspective, they just weren't so beautiful. They didn't really speak to me, the products. Then I was like, but, you know, maybe this is something that is um, going around. Everyone knows that we have to find a better alternative to um, disposable diapers. They create a huge amount mm -hmm. of waste. Um, we all read it in the newspaper. And maybe one way to motivate parents or users to maybe make the switch is to get them early, is to get them when they maybe don't have babies yet, when they never actually right. think of a diaper. And then they maybe see a product that really speaks to them from a design point of view. Yeah, you start thinking of the implications that diapering has on this on our planet. Mm -hmm. um, so I created this diaper. I was at university still. And then I um, I was just graduating and I there was the James Dyson Award. It's a, a student competition for innovative student projects from all around the world. And I submitted the diaper and I won the award. And that was really the start of it because I think they have a, a really big following, James Dyson Award. And many people, both from press, but also, um, yeah, as I earlier said, parents, I started, all of a sudden my inbox started to mm -hmm. fill with emails from people who wanted to ask where they can buy it or what inspired me to, to do this. Um, so I got this really incredible feedback And um, continued submitting it for awards, um, which is always, which, I mean, as a designer, it's always a really good way to to bring your project out there without it being manufactured yet, you know. So there's a right. big difference in, in, in design. Um, you're a designer and then either you get picked up by a company that will, uh, will want to bring your product to market, um, which is usually the traditional way. You don't right. really become an entrepreneur as a designer because in design school, you don't learn any of them of the things you need wow. to know no i think we have one class about like how to price your work but this is again more in a on a freelance basis like if someone comes right. to you and tells you i want to can you design a chair for me then you you kind of know okay how to price how to make an offer and then you have one other class on intellectual property and what is right. your right as a designer but you don't have any business classes you don't have any um Which, to be honest, though, sometimes I think is also good because you mm -hmm. should focus on finding ways to uh, find inspiration, create ideas, and then maybe approach people and convince them of your idea. I think mm -hmm. these are good skills to have as a designer. Absolutely. And sometimes what you're saying, you really only learn it from doing it. Exactly. There's only so much we can read in the books. Yeah. As a founder myself, the founder journey is yeah. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also very rewarding. Yeah. And I joke that I've, you know, um, had a whole MBA through this. It What what mm. feels like that, the, the content and the amount of learning that you get yeah. through going through the motions. Yeah. Um, so why do you think the materials of the diapers that existed, mm. you touched on how it was always, I think you said polyester and cotton. Yeah. Why was there a gap in, in, in not using something mm. more... Um, mm. innovative, softer, mm. antibacterial. Mm. Like, why do you think that is? Yeah, that is a really good question. I Where think, has the solution been? Yeah, I think, um, of course, you always, you know, you have the saying that demand drives the supply. Right. I just think that the demand, well, at least four years ago, wasn't there. It's definitely picking up, which is super good to see. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just wasn't, there weren't many people... Um, necessarily so interested in maybe um, creating a different kind of cloth diaper because 
let's be re realistic. I think I just I, I, I just did this for a pitch deck for us. Um, I think it's 15% of the whole diaper market are cloth diapers. Wow. So it's the huge, huge, huge um, market share are disposable diapers right. for good reason. Don't get me wrong. You know, they're affordable, they're hygienic. And of course, I understand that also, you know, for like... Um, the female workforce, you know, cloth, uh, sorry, like disposable diapers, of course, they took so much time off our hands. Exactly. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm no one that like, I don't want to be this dogmatic person who says, oh, disposable diapers are so bad because I understand why they exist. Um, but I just think, yeah, so I think um, from a design or like a perspective of the materials and more innovative um, spaces there, I think, yeah, it's mostly the demand. But then now, Doing it, I understand also now why no one has done it before because <laughs> the textile industry or like making fabrics, it's it's such a long process and mm -hmm. you have huge minimum orders. Um, so what we do, I always, you know, we, we with Casper, we like to say we we from fiber to fabric. We we, we really start with the fiber, which means you have to purchase the bulk fiber, and there the minimums are insane. So when you purchase. Uh, fibers, you buy them by 280 kilograms. Wow. This is one unit. So the unit is called a bale. <laughs> so this is the minimum order. And, and you, with this, you can create so so much yarn and then so much fabric. So you need to, I think this initial investment when it comes to yeah, innovative fabrics and something that maybe you custom develop is the, the, ent the um, barrier to entry is so high. You need to have mm -hmm. a huge initial investment. Um, or in our case, I think what we we are um, working with institutes a lot, so smaller production facilities, um, and I, I think that's why well, that's one reason why if you the, the more traditional cloth diapers, you just buy fabrics off the shelf. You know, you go and you contact someone in Portugal or in Turkey or where you know this is where like the European um, fiber or like a te um, textile world sits right and then you contact someone and you you they send you like their catalog materials and you pick a beautiful cotton or you pick mm -hmm. a nice waterproof polyester i think it's just more also in terms of revenue and profits it's a much more profitable way to go right. that way but you're dreaming past what's being done yes yes you're entering the dark zone <laughs> yes. yeah you know that actually brings me to one of my questions which is tell us about the shalep what? I don't know if I'm yeah. saying that proper. And dry bag. And did yeah. you consciously create this to remove that main barrier between purchasing cloth diapers and cleaning them? Exactly. And how does the whole process make mm. this more accessible? Basically, picking the material and um, innovating from that side was only one one part, you know. And then you really, you look at the cloth diaper system and you understand it. You want to dissect it and mm -hmm. you want to, as a designer, you then find want to find ways to make it a way more um approachable and more convenient. This was a big challenge for us. So um, the, the Sumo system consists of this, um, like an, a waterproof outer cover and then inlays and then the, the schlep bag. Exactly, schlep. Bag. schlep. Um, and so the idea is that when you diaper your baby, um, you only have to um, sort of like change and wash the inlays because the outer wrap, the outer diaper, unless it's really super soiled, you can just um, straight away use it, you know, for the next uh, diaper. And then um, I think this is the most, I mean, I don't know if I can say this uh, so loud, but the one question you always get is, where do I put the poo? <laughs> yeah. 
do I put it in my washing machine? And of course, you don't put it in your washing machine. But it's a really, really valid question. And of course, because yeah. with a disposable diaper, it just gets folded up and put in the in the, the bin. bin. Exactly. Actually, many, many people who are who are not parents, I think you have this initial e factor. You know, you don't want to really handle poo. If you actually talk to parents, they they have they have become so like whatever. It's a bit of it's a bit of poo. It yeah. It's not nothing. But so of course. Um, Usually, um, you have to you have to actually put the poo down the toilet. Right. So this is really important. It should not end up in in the washing machine, and also shouldn't end up in your diaper bag. Um, you basically um, what most parents do, and what we will also offer in our product um, collection, is it's called a diaper liner. It's basically like a flushable. It looks a little bit like kitchen like a kitchen towel. You know, mm -hmm. it also comes on this like roll, you tear off a sheet, you put it um, on top of the inlay inside the diaper. And then that you can just take out of the diaper right. and flush it or okay. put it in your bin. Right, easy. So this is really, so this is one of the first things that you have to really work on is, you know, you have to make it much easier for people to get rid of the poo. And um, and then, then the next challenge is that if you're like on the go, you know, let's say you're in the kindergarten or you're going to the, to the playground, you know, and you need to diaper your baby and you change the diaper where do you because you can't just chuck it away you can't throw right. it away and you don't want to like be carrying like a bin bag with you either I don't know so we designed this uh, it's basically called a wet and dry bag it's so you can you have space to store dry diapers like unused ones and also a space to put your wet ones mm -hmm. in our case you you would store the inlays there mm -hmm. um, it's big enough to store a couple at a time um, but also small enough so that you can carry it in your handbag. And the way that we design it is kind of more like a messenger bag. So, you know, you, you sort of like you roll down the top. It's like a fold, folding top. You make a knot so it's really also odor proof. It locks any of the odors inside. But still it's breathable because, mm -hmm. you know, um, smell only really or smell and bacteria only really happen when you lock some, when you something's airtight. So it's really right. still breathable. And then the idea was, once you get home, you really don't want to be handling the the mucky diapers, right? You don't want to put your hand down that right. bag and take it out. So we designed in a way that you just need to un unfold it, unroll it, and as it is, you put it in the in the washing machine. And then the because of the you know like the circulation of the washing machine, it, it turns the bag inside out. All the wet all the wet diapers basically fall out by themselves. Oh, perfect. So I think this yeah, making it as convenient as possible. Don't get me wrong. I'm mean, we're not there yet at all. We are this is such a big, um, long way to go to make it really more convenient. But I think we have started to work on some smart solutions. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for these brainstorms. Yeah, you know some of these topics are funny, and you need to laugh about yeah, them. Yeah, you do. So I could just—I mean, <laughs> we're giggling now. So I could picture it being a really fun day in the office yeah. for you and Casper. Exactly. I think yeah, Casper. He—he's. I think also. I mean the. The naming of the, our first product, the, the Sumo, I think actually it, it's, it's, a re, it's a really good name. I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And I understand that sometimes, I don't know, let's raise the topic, but like a cultural appropriation. We, the topic did get raised sometimes, but I think by now we, you know, we are not showing any like Sumo ringers. We have a big Japanese community that I talk to and I, by no means do we want to borrow something from from Japanese mm -hmm. culture and so, sort of like appropriate it it's really I think it's 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 um it came it was a journey from like how the material looks like this kind of like a Japanese tatami mat and then 
just you know this this kind of look and we wanted to create something also that is a bit childish a bit silly so i think this was how the name sumo came about but then also naming all the other products we see all these baby products which are named like which all have these cute names but i think at the end of the day it's the parents who buy it and mm -hmm. we want to create associations in the parents head so this idea of calling the inlay the like an ufo because it looks a little bit like a flying saucer Or um, the the diaper liner we call it we called it Dreamliner. I mean, we we had a lot of fun just finding funny names that really also speak to the parent and somehow Absolutely. maybe because I think our our customers are millennials right. that you know it's really millennials that have the kids, who are having kids now and are environmentally conscious um, who really look for alternatives and we sort of we want to catch them with with something that maybe they know from their childhood or yeah. Absolutely. And I want everyone listening to know that just because you and Casper don't have children, you guys do extensive testing with your team, with the kids. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Yeah. But I want to talk about the effects diapers, disposable diapers has on the environment and why you see this so important. That's a really big part of Sumo's mission. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly stated on the homepage for anyone interested. But what differences can we see for a greener planet through using mm. sustainable diapers? Yeah, I mean, so with diapering, you have to look at the numbers. It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, by now, uh, many of us, and me included, we've also become like, I don't know, like desensitized to this topic of, yeah, generating waste on our planet. And I understand. So sometimes I think it's really important to think about, I think there's like four, four babies born each second around the globe. So wow. as we're sitting here, you know how many babies are being born? They all need diapers. And so they need six diapers a day in, on average. Wow. And um, babies, the first three years of their life are being uh, di are in diapers. Wow. So if you do the maths, it's like uh, 5,000 diapers per child in three years. So it's a one ton of diaper waste per child. One ton. Wow. So I think in Germany alone, it's like 10 million disposable diapers ending on in landfills each day. So we, we also for our pitch deck, we try to sort of like visualize these numbers because the numbers, they don't really touch you. They don't touch you emotionally. But I think we know diapering needs an update. It, mm -hmm. It's I think sometimes me and Kasper, we discussed that it's only a matter of time. And I think also on a political level, change has to happen, like policy wise. You know, I think you look at like um, countries where you have green parties, I think in, in Austria, They are actively doing something to convince people to stop using so many disposable diapers. You get like a diaper voucher to buy your first uh, kit of cloth, cloth diapers, because I think it just somehow can't keep on going like that. And I think the, you know, diaper, the cloth diaper is an invention, I think, of the 70s or 60s. So it's not even that old. And sometimes I have people asking me, what is a cloth diaper? And you're like, oh dear, I think, how old are you? Because I think if you're over 35 um, or 40, chances are very high that you are actually, you were diapered in cloth. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just bringing awareness back to a different method of diapering that just by um, using cloth diapers, even just maybe at night times or during the day, or, you know, you can have this hybrid model. Yeah. And um, and I, I just love the model that you built with Sumo because mm -hmm. you do think about the accessibility and the convenience Yeah, with the yeah. schlep bag, which the, I love yeah, that name, <laughs> schlepping it yeah. around. You know, it's important. Yeah. You go to design school and the one number one big topic is sustainability because yeah. we as a designer, we are, 
we create products, which means we we directly have this responsibility of you know um, looking for better choices. The problem or like the issue is that people will always choose the better product, not right. the greener. You want to you right. want to do good choices, be responsible. But at the end of the day, if this one product just works much better, you will find you will go for that. And so I, I think as a designer, I'm really trying not to, you know, I could have just used the most sustainable material, but people will not buy that diaper. People will buy that diaper if it just works better than a than a disposable, right. if it's more skin caring, if they see that it's better for the baby's bum, less rash, it's better for your for, for financially. So I think there are so many reasons why you make that choice and a good design is one of them. Absolutely. Well, you've completely convinced me. So when I have children, <laughs> I will be, you know, and also Suma makes great gifts, just saying. Yeah, nice. Um, for when you do launch, which we're going to talk about that too. Sumo's mission is to design status quo challenging products that make daily rituals more beautiful. I love that. Why is it important to add beauty into our rituals? Oh. Yeah, I think it's so important. I, we talked about with this idea of a ritual a lot because we understand that we cannot compete with, uh, we're back at the at conv convenience, we can't mm -hmm. really compete. It will probably always be more easy to wrap it up and throw it away. You, it's out mm -hmm. of mind, out of sight, it's gone. You don't have to touch it, you don't have to wash it, you don't have to fold it away. So, But then I think we, we looked into other alternative, like parallel worlds where ritual trumped convenience. I don't know, like very different topic, but coffee, you know, how there are some coffee lovers out there who love to wait 30 minutes until their coffee, until their espresso maker is hot. It, you know, all the washing up, but in the end it creates a better coffee rather than, I don't know, like a, an instant coffee. I don't know. Right. So I think this idea of like elevating the ritual and creating um, a beautiful everyday space between the father and the and the mother and the baby, that diapering is actually um, uh, something that connects you with your baby, with your yeah. child. And so I think this is the idea of bringing beauty back to this daily ritual. You diaper your child six t times a day. So why not make it some, a really beautiful experience, both, you know, and sensory, visually. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I, you always see this image of, of, of a dad with a bad chest holding mm -hmm. their baby. And I always think, oh, now the baby's wearing this like really plasticky, scratchy diaper. It's not nice. What if it was <laughs> this is wearing... the architect in you? <laughs> this needs to look more beautiful. Or even feel, you know, like you have this very soft material yeah. that is like um Absolutely. So I think that's where beauty comes in. And beauty not only in a visual sense, but mm -hmm. in a sensory and haptic yeah. experience. Absolutely. Do you have any daily rituals in your life that you include? I actually am a big coffee lover. Yeah. I think that's why I love, I have this uh, Italian coffee maker at home. I, I wake up, the first thing I do, I turn it on, then <sighs> wait 20 minutes until it's warm and I make my first coffee. Um, I think this is something I do every day, uh, yeah, since years. Well, that's a beautiful ritual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a creature of habit so much, mm. I've realized. I really love doing different things every day. I think this is also why I am... Um, you know, I, I lived in different countries, in Switzerland, in the UK, and when I do one thing at a time too too often, it, it bores me quite quickly. Um, but I think, um, yeah, like, uh, I th of course, I th maybe also ritual is something that you know that is good for you, that you love to do. So I love to ride my bike, to work. Um, I actually also love going to the office. I realized this a lot when I was during lockdown. So I think almost like 
der Liebe of mine ist auch so, yeah, I make my coffee and then I go on my bike and I mm -hmm. ride to, to work. I could work from home, but I think this change in, in space is really important for me. Which, yeah, maybe thinking about is kind of like a ritual that I missed a lot when mm -hmm. we were in lockdown. I actually really agree with that. And I was just having this conversation with um, a group of women here in Berlin. And we were talking about that. I think sometimes maybe managers have the um, the thinking that people want to work from home. But what about those who miss the office, yeah. who miss the camaraderie yeah. and yeah. the human contact? So mm. I, I'm kind of on mm. your page on that one. I would love to be back in the office more. Yeah. Um, your co-founder, Casper, is a cultural entrepreneur and creative director. What do you think you each contribute to the project? Mm. Describe your creative process and how you work together. Yeah, so Casper, um, I mean, it's still such a, a stroke of luck that I mm. um, that he's with me doing this because I think I, I, could, I could not do this alone, um, for sure. And so Casper, um, we know each other since years, so we... Since teenagers, he's also a Berliner like me from here. And I think we were we were actually partying together in, <laughs> in the clubs of Berlin when we were 15, 16. Um, so I know Kasper for a long time, but he also, he he was living in LA for, for some time. So I think what we have in common is this um, very global mindset. And um, I actually approached him back in the days, so three years ago, if he wants to um, build this project with me because I I needed someone with... Um, more experience when it comes to like product development and a little bit more of a business, you know, business yeah. experience. And uh, I knew that Kasper had worked for um, a startup in the US. Um, or he had actually also scaled that startup. It's a shoe label that is completely environmentally friendly. Like it's basically wow. like a biodegradable shoes. Wow. Very interesting. So he, and he was working for a company that um, had also offices in, in Portugal so um, and they like more on like the textile development side. So with him, I, I I invited someone to join me that I knew had much more experience on both business but also development and like how do you actually um, build a product from scratch? Right. And I think on the day to day basis in the office, we don't really um, we do we don't really divide things so much. I mean, of course, I have a, a lead. I would say most of the things that I like um, come down to like the creative things and designing and um yeah sort of like also maybe managing the team and some some more operational things um i'm more the lead he yeah thank thankfully does most of the business um things and also now we are starting with um yeah like fundraising and um financing rounds right. he's kind of like leading that but i think we are it's as a team it always feels super great um i think we have we are we have really matching skills um and we each also let the other take care and have enough responsibility that you feel like it's your company. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A conversation I was also having um, with these women, with this mm -hmm. amazing group, was about leadership and yeah. leading by empowerment. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on leadership and, mm -hmm. you know, how do you actively lead every day? Yeah. I feel like I'm very new to that topic. We have two in German, you say Werkstudenten. They're like um, two girls who are still at university, um, but they help us on like a part-time basis. And they both um, started working for us at the beginning of the year. So it's only been like half a year where I actually have a, a team that I also yeah need to and um, look after and um, take care. And also, yeah, as you say, lead. 
Um, but I, so most of my career until now, I've worked for other people, which of course it really helped a lot to understand what works for me, what motivates me um, as an employee, mm -hmm. what would I have loved my employer to do. So I think um, I learned, of course, a lot about how, yeah, how not to micromanage people, <laughs> how some people, although like yeah. micromanaging and also maybe need it and maybe need a little bit more of a check-in, whereas other people strive more when you just let them go. But I think we, what we are trying um, is really to just sort of like... Um, visualize where we want to end up and what 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 the goal is but how you get there we try to leave it quite open like mm -hmm. you know whatever your way is of achieving that goal go for it um but of course this also takes a lot of trust and you can't um yes yeah, i think especially when you're a young company and i'm also a designer and I, and i think sumo also is a quite a design um driven company the way sometimes i don't know a picture looks like or or an Instagram post, I can get really lost in details. And I, this is, I think, one of the first things I had to also learn was to give up this sense of like this perfection, which you learn as a designer. Yeah. You have to also have it as a, when you work for someone else, your, your employee needs perfection from you. So I think starting my own company, I had to let go of that and also mm. be okay with if something maybe doesn't look like I designed it. It's also fine if it looks a bit different or... If, if, yeah, um, so I think it's, it's still something I'm exploring, but I'm really trying um, not le letting people um, find their motivation behind something. Absolutely. And I think everything that you're talking mm -hmm. about is so incredibly relatable. Yeah. I think we all have these feelings and it's always so refreshing to me when yeah. I'm speaking with someone and they're just honest. <laughs> about what they're going through yeah. because everyone is thinking it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, and you don't sound like a newbie to leadership, by the way. Um, I love the About Us page and I'm going to describe it for listeners. So it features photos of either your team members um, as kids or photos of their kids. Did you do a lot of internal testing of Sumo Diaper and Schlepp on Sumo Babies? What kind of innovations and adjustments did the baby team inspire? Yes, we did a lot of testing. It was it's actually the most the, one of the most fun things about uh, this um, this project. So I had designed this very first prototype, and um, back at university, and there I also found um, a lot of mothers. This was actually this was in Lausanne in Switzerland, where uh, most people speak French. I did not speak French, but I, a good friend of mine, she's a photographer. She also took the first sumo pictures, and she um, worked with mothers um, on you know. Um, basically communicating and showing modern mother motherhood through pictures. So I teamed up with her and th through her network, I got to uh, meet all these amazing mothers with babies. So this was the very first sumo testing round. But then I came back and we, of course, to make something then marketable, you really have to change the design, the material. And um, so back, I think it was like two years ago, I was looking for someone here in Berlin who could help me with the um, like technical apparel things because yes I'm a designer but basically I'm not a seamstress I needed to find someone who works with fabrics every all day long with pattern making so I was like um yeah asked around in my network and a very good friend of mine sh her flatmate um this is uh, Rebecca she um had a baby already uh, she now has actually already two babies but back then she already had a son and she was only cloth diapering and she was a seamstress a pattern oh. maker 
And um, I've been working with her for the last, yeah, three years. She's fantastic. Um, and with her, together, we um, made all the little iterations. We changed here. And the good thing was that she could always test it immediately on right. her baby. Unfortunately, um, her baby, then I think was two, didn't want to be in diapers anymore. Oh. Thankfully, her and her boyfriend made a new baby. <laughs> so then we had a new sumo tester. So I think um, this rigorous testing um, happened from day one because mm -hmm. my, yeah, because she could test every thing, single thing we tried out, what kind of um, yeah fabric to use for the for the for the like the ribbon, what kind of buttons, how much you know how elastic does the gusset have to mm -hmm. be? All of these things we could test uh, immediately, and then once we were really happy with what yeah worked. I then did um, actually on Instagram a little call out for um, Berlin-based um, um, mothers and fathers who would like to be our testers. And it, it was really amazing, the feedback. In the end, I think we only had like 10 pa tester packages with enough diapers and inlays and also bags. And I had really, I had to almost pick, you know, because so many people wanted wow. to try it. Two pa packages actually I also sent to Barcelona because wow. there were there, um, there was some... Some mothers there who really wanted to try it. So this is this has been our first beta testers. Now we made we made some changes because we had so much feedback uh, from this testing oh, stage. Great. So we yeah we haven't even launched yet, wow. but I think this is just the feeling now is really good that we have created a product that really works. Mm -hmm. Just quickly maybe go back. Yeah. So Casper doesn't have children. Me neither. But I think sometimes this that we are a little bit removed from it and that we are both designers and have creative backgrounds I think we I sometimes think and as a designer you learn to be very empathetic and work with people so I I just don't think it's a necessity to be a parent mm -hmm. in order to create products for children I, I love working with children so um, I think it's just so rewarding and also working with with mothers who look for better alternatives um, so I think it's just such a rewarding project so I guess my final question would be once Sumo Diaper launches mm. and is a huge success, I think it's the summer. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, it will be in June. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it's exciting, the mm. creation, the creative process. Is there something else um, that you're that you have your eyes set on at the moment or mm. what will the process look like after that? Yeah, I mean, I think initially I always thought I would do Sumo, but also some, maybe some other projects. I still also work as a designer for, for other people. Yes. Um, but more and more, and also now I think as, as we are testing the product a lot now, I get all these other product ideas um, apart, you know, okay, now we, we, we've done the diaper and we have a beautiful bag, but there's so many other beautiful projects in this space. Um, I mean, if you just look at diapering, you need like a nice um, diaper, like cover to put the baby on or or some nice like muslin cloths. There's so many things that you can do. So I think one big thing is, of course, we have this uh, product pipeline that we are like, okay, next year we're going to maybe launch this. The year after we will want to launch this. So I'm very excited for that. Of course, I have many different hobbies, but I think Sumo right now is the one thing that I think of when I wake up and when I go to bed. And Absolutely. Um, I like the idea of finally having created something that I'm, I'm in charge creatively, but also in charge of who I want to work with, institutions, project partners that we want to work with from the industry. So I think, I think at the moment I'm just focusing on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Where can people get on the pre-order list for yes. the summer? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Perfect. Exactly. So we will actually launch on Kickstarter. So it will be oh, a wonderful. crowdfunding. The first production will be a uh, will be crowdfunded. 
So we really need, um, yeah, we need everyone's support. Amazing. I think um, right now you can already sign up to our newsletter and then you will be the first ones to hear about when the campaign goes live, the newsletter sign up is on our website. But it will Amazing. be on Kickstarter and really the more the merrier, even if it's just a small donation or you want to maybe gift someone. A, we have um, different sizes of bundles that people can try. There's a tester package. And we really want to build a community around mm -hmm. it. That's why we thought Kickstarter is such a good platform. Because such a good platform. And really directly getting to know everyone, shipping directly to you. We will be also shipping worldwide. I think this is such a crazy good learning curve for us too. So watch. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to sign up because that's amazing. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm so excited. Like I said, I don't have children, but I have many friends with kids. Perfect. <laughs> so what a beautiful way to gift someone. You know, it's, it makes for a perfect gift. Well, thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing your parents' beautiful buildings and yes. enjoying Berlin with you. Me too. Thank you so much for joining me for this heartfelt and educational episode with Louisa. Inviting everyone to follow along Louisa's journey by visiting her website at sumodiaper.com. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at millie.ca.